Well, this summer, as you know, we've been going through uh, Psalms, and we've gone through this series called Authentic Worship. And different people have been speaking. We've been going through different chapters in Psalms, trying to learn and, and glean from David's relationship with the Father, how David is interacting and expressing himself and communicating who God is to him. So that's what this series has been about. And really, we're learning to be real with God, learning how to take off the mask, to open up and be authentic, and really learn how to walk out this Christianity resisting that temptation to act like everything is okay, to put that mask back on, to rely on self, to get back or fall into self-righteousness. Anybody else, this is a journey. This is a journey for me just to, this is a way of life, to live authentic before the Lord and live authentic with each other. Instead of having the, all this, this all-together style of Christianity. And really what we're trying to say is like dependence on God is actually okay. <laughs> Dependence upon the Lord, dependence upon the Holy Spirit is actually the best place to be. This is where we should live, fully dependent, every step, every breath, every day on God, not on self. And so I've been, I've been learning a lot from this series, been enjoying, thanks for everybody who's been communicating, and I look forward to the rest of the summer. And we've been looking at the life of David, like I said, and I, there's an you know, interesting passage in Acts 13, 22 that says this. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, God said this about David, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So I think it's interesting. We're looking at somebody who had a man after God's own heart. We're trying to lean in and glean from that and to learn from that. So this morning, as we launch into, I want to set up my introduction this morning with a question, or really a series of questions. Are you ready? Some questions. Are you guys engaged this morning? Are you here? Yes? Um, some questions. Here, here's the question today I want to ask. How is your relationship with God? Right now, where you sit, as you listen, if you're watching online, I want to say welcome. Thanks for tuning in. How is your relationship with God doing? Or like how intimate is your relationship with your Heavenly Father? How deeply are you communing with your Father? How are you doing this morning? How am I doing today? Now, if you're like me, this question immediately sends me into evaluating my performance. You know what I mean? Like, well, um, let's see. How, how's my relationship with God? Well, I'm, uh, I've been going to church, like, <laughs> every day. I get paid to do that. <laughs> Been here every week, all summer, haven't missed a Sunday. Uh, been doing really well, been really consistent. Doing re my relationship with God is going pretty well. Or you might be thinking, like, I, I really should be going more. Like, it's been a, it's kind of a struggle. We've just been busy this summer. Like, man, yeah, my relationship with God probably isn't doing that great. Should be going to church more. Or you're maybe thinking, like, man, I read my Bible every day. Like, I haven't missed for a long time. I do my devotions. I'm diligent. It's going really great. Or if you maybe want to be honest, like, me this morning, I'm currently 30 days behind in my read through the Bible plan. Anybody else want to be honest today? <laughs> Started all the great intentions at the beginning of the year, and I've been really enjoying it, but currently I find myself at like 33 days behind. So I've got some catching up to do. Um, or you might think, well, I've been pretty nice, haven't sinned too bad recently, been on a pretty good track record, doing well. Or maybe some would just say completely, I've absolutely blown it. 
shame on me. I've done some really bad things. And maybe nobody else knows what you've done. It's completely a secret. You say, my relationship with the Father is, is not good. We go right into evaluating our performance. But I want us to kind of take that, this, this mask of we're, we're doing sort of great or looking at our performance this morning and say, can we be honest and, and acknowledge today that as human beings, our performance is all over the place? Is it not? We are fickle. Anybody have one bad night of rest and it just throws off your next day and you're like, I need to get saved all over again. My poor children. <laughs> one bad night of rest, one something, one red light. Just the, we're, we're fickle. And if we're going to base our relationship with God on our performance, well, maybe it's hopeless. Is that the point today? And if we're going to come to church today and just like, okay, guys, come on, let's look at our performance. Let's do better today. Come on, church. Pull it together. Read your Bible. Stop cussing. Stop getting angry. Stop whatever the things are. Let's get our performance better, okay? Hip, hip, hoorah, let's go. Just some motivational talk this morning, and, and we send you out, and how long is that going to last? before we have to be honest again and say, I've messed up, I've fallen short. It's not very long, it's not very long. I mean, I remember camps or some years were like, oh man, this is it, God changed me. I will never be the same. And two weeks later, you're like, shoot, I thought it was gonna stick. <laughs> and that's all of our experience, I think, as we walk with the Lord. So if we're gonna just talk about our performance today, I would say, let's just shut this thing down right now and let's just go home and get ready for the picnic if we're going to look at the performance of humans. But, but if the church, if the pulpit, if the word of God is going to look at the performance of someone who is perfect, if the, if the church is going to look at the character and performance of God, and if that's what we're going to do this morning is to evaluate his performance and posture towards us, so then I say, should we stay a little longer? Should we sing a little louder? And that's what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the performance of God and who our Father is today. Can we pray one more time and then we're going to dive in? Jesus, right now we just welcome your presence here, Holy Spirit. Um, you know where this lands with everybody. And I pray that you would do the, the convicting, the, the showing us what we need, Father, that you, we would feel your love and your presence here in this room this morning. Open our hearts to you, Father, that we would encounter you and truly, we'd never be the same again as you work on us, God, on the inside. In your name we pray, amen. One of my points this morning I want to make really clear is that our worship church has to be anchored, not to our performance, but our, our worship has to be anchored to truth that is eternal. Our worship, how we worship God has to be anchored to truth that is eternal. Our worship has to be anchored to someone that never changes. Always the same, always consistent, always perfect. And I was wrestling with this thought for the past couple of weeks. As I was coming into Psalms 103, I'm like, okay, this Psalms is like all about David saying who God is. And there's really no interaction of David talking like to God. It's just all about who he is. 
So I was just thinking, like, you know, Lord, what do you want to say? How do you want to, you know, and I just kept coming back to just, all right, I, to authentically worship God, we got to see him for who he truly is so that our lives can be anchored to something that is, that is consistent, that is true. And um, I have a friend in Fargo who just randomly texts me um, some really encouraging words. He's been, like, really a, a mentor in my life and a friend. And uh, so I get this, this text, and I'm going to read it to you just real quick. But I was like, thank you, Lord. That was a confirmation I needed as I was kind of wrestling with what this message was going to look like. He says, hey, Nick, just a short scripture to encourage you today. And, of course, he sends me a psalms, ironically. <laughs> he says, in whatever you're facing, the Lord can turn things around as we walk in his strength and our hearts are turned towards him. This psalm reminds us that we are to walk in a relationship with God. And here, here's what he said. We don't measure our relationship with God by our ups and downs, by our performance. Rather, our spiritual journey is measured by the consistency of our trust in him in the midst of the ups and downs. I was like, thank you. I'm going to preach this then. And it's in my heart today, and I hope you see the Father in a new and fresh way this morning. So we're going to look at the performance of Jesus. Because I firmly believe that the church's primary reason for existence is to worship God. The church's primary reason for existence is to worship God for who he is, for what he has done. Every morning we gather, I love church. I love Sunday mornings. I do. I'm like, we get to come together, and we get to sing and hear about the Lord and encourage one another. What a gift. The body of Christ is such a gift to our walk with Jesus. It's such a gift to our life. And I love that my children can grow up in the local church. So this morning, let us not forget who the hero is. Let's not forget who the Savior is. Let us not forget today who we are worshiping. It's Jesus. It's God, our Father. So a couple weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast. Um, I was on my way home from Fargo. And um, it was really good. It was a leadership, Christian leadership podcast. And uh, there was this pastor, author, Christian leader, um, doing an interview with somebody. And they were talking about the collective trauma that the whole world has ex experienced the last couple of years. Okay, so they're just like, Stats are coming out. They're, they're beginning to be able to measure now, like, what has the, um, the quarantine types, what, what kind of effects has this had on just humanity? It was super depressing, <laughs> super negative. I mean, I, I mean not, not just negative, but, like, it's, it's, it's the facts of, like, it's sad. It, anxiety is so high. Depression is so high. And all the things that come with that, the addictions, the suicides, it's sad, you know, and, and I was like, man, okay, I kind of like I, I get it, and now they're just starting to, like, we've kind of known this, and now they're starting to be able to measure this, and it's like, okay, I get it, I get it, like, wow, this, we can't deny this, like, this is true. What we have all been through the past couple of years is no question super um, life-altering, like, I don't know if we'll ever, in some ways, it, it changes the fabric of so much, even just families, and so, um, but I was curious, as I was listening to the podcast, they're kind of going on and on, because they were talking about just how we get triggered by just the, the dumbest things. Like, um, I can't remember some of the examples right now, but they're just saying it's just revealing this unrest that's going on the inside. And people are just like freaking out and getting triggered over just dumb stuff. 
And so I was like, well, I'm curious now as I'm listening to the podcast. I'm curious if they're going to get to the point where they offer, like, a solution forward. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder what they're going to say. Like, okay, how do we go from here to, like, move towards health? What does this look like? Really curious. And so the, the hosts begin to ask some questions. <clears throat> like, okay, we understand it's not pretty. We're hurting on the inside. There's lots of division, polarization. How do we move forward? How do we heal? So the host is asking this. How do we experience restoration? How do we move forward? Is there even hope? And the author said this. And when he said this, I like, almost immediately started crying. Got the goosebumps. You know what I mean? And uh, like, it's like, you know, my heart was just like, yes. That seems so right. Yes. And here what was, here's what his answer was, or recommendation was, to the healing that our souls need. So how do we experience this? He said, by consistently experiencing deep communion with the Father. By consistently experiencing deep communion with the Father. I was like, yes. It wasn't like a list of to-dos. It wasn't like a list of try harder. It was like, we've got to be closer to the source of life. We've got to have deep communion with the healer himself, the Prince of Peace. I was like, thank you. Now immediately our minds go to, okay, now what do I need to do to experience deep communion with the Father? That sounds great. How do I, how do, I do that? And I would be the first pastor, to be honest, to say, I don't know what it looks like for you. It's a journey for me to discover how I connect and relate to the Father and experience deep communion with Him. I mean, even just this morning, I'm in my office just singing. I, I love music. I love worship. And so I'm just worshiping God, trying to get ready, experiencing deep communion with Him so I can come up here full and ready to communicate. That's how I experience. But maybe for, there's so many different ways we can experience. Talk to my wife. She's going to school for some of this stuff. And she can maybe give you some um, pointers on that. But we go to a list of to-dos, and maybe you've heard some to-dos like, all right, okay, if I read the Bible for X amount of days, X amount of minutes, and don't miss, okay, I'm going to experience deep communion. If I pray fervently, if I sing in the shower maybe, like I'm going to redeem every moment of every day, and like, I'm going to try so hard, and I'm going to experience deep communion. With the Father, we go to a formula, and we bypass relationship. Does this make sense? God, the Father, desires relationship with you. Resist the urge just to go to a formula. All right, okay, one plus one plus equals two. How do I produce this and guarantee results? Um, I remember a camp a couple years ago, and uh, you could just tell students were really empty and just heavy and the anxiety, the depression, all the things. And there was one of the nights where the preaching happened, it was good. The worship happened, it was good. But then there just came this moment with this altar time. And I think we sat in the presence of God for, I think it was a couple hours. And I'm not lying when I would say, like, the sense and, like, the weight of the presence of God was so heavy, nobody wanted to leave. And all you could just sense in the room was, like, the peace of God is in this room. And you could just sense the peace of God was healing, hurting hearts. The peace of God was settling the unrest in the students. The peace of God was doing something deeper than no human could ever do. No, no formula could ever produce. It was the presence of God and it was a deep communion experience with the Father. 
It was like, let's not rush. Let's not rush. God's doing something. And I believe the Father, we can experience that consistently with the Father. And I would argue that there is no other hope but to, this is the antidote. This is how we experience healing, is deep communion with the Father. All right, I got to keep moving. So really it is to, to abide, to abide. And he produces the fruit inside of us, to abide. We are the branch, he is the vine. We abide. So today, experiencing deep communion with the Father, we're gonna look at David, how he experienced the Father. We wanna resist of just like all these to-dos. And if we look at our performance, it's super depressing. If my relationship with God is just solely based on my performance, well, bummer. So today I want to flip the question. I want to ask a different question today, and hopefully it helps you see the Father maybe in a different way today. I want to ask this. How is God's relationship with you? I want to flip it today. How is God viewing you? How is God's relationship towards you today? So my goal by the end of the message is that you wouldn't leave your thinking like, man, I really need to pull it together. I've really got to pull it together get my stuff together, do some more things so I can experience deep communion with the Father. And instead, rather, I want you to just maybe sit back as we enter into a time of worship and just say, wow, God is so good. Or just be like, wow, to stand in awe, to stand in fear of the Lord and say, he's so kind. He's so amazing. And that our hearts be drawn to the Father out of love today. My desire is that we would see God clearly for who he is from Scripture. And that the truth of who he is would create a response of worship within our hearts. And would ultimately draw us closer to himself. Because church, if you don't get anything out of this message today, here's one of my main points. Our view of God greatly affects our level of intimacy with him. How we view God and see the Father greatly affects our level of intimacy, our ability to commune deeply with him. Because this other point is equally as true. Our view of God can be damaged and tainted for many reasons. I would say one of the enemies, his sole, his sole mission is to steal, kill, and destroy the life, the abundant life that you can only experience with the Father. I think the devil is out to do everything he can to question and taint and twist the true view of who God is. He is actively working in your life and in my life to taint our view of our Father. And there's other things that happen in our life. One of the things that can happen in our life that taint the view of the Father is we can experience something super tragic in life. Something happens that we did not see coming. We can't explain it. The loss is so deep. The grieving is so, it's so much pain. Like, what and it calls into question the goodness of God. How could God allow this? Maybe you've experienced that, and that sort of event has caused a, a there's, now the trust has been broken. There's been a tainting of, as we go through this life and experiencing what Jesus promised would happen, we would experience difficulty, suffering, the realities of life. But maybe that's tainted your view of the Father. A second thing that maybe has tainted the view of the Father is that people with spiritual authority have misused and, and abused and misrepresented the Father to you. Maybe you grew up in the church or have seen the church and you've experienced some really deep and hurtful things. A human has misrepresented the perfect Father 
And this isn't to excuse people's behavior, including my own. Like, it's sobering as a pastor, you know, to, like, represent the heart of the Father. And it's really directly related to how I view the Father, is how I represent the Father. And it's really a sobering place to be and to carry that really, really with much weight and with much soberness. But maybe that's been misrepresented to you today. And so that can taint our view of who God truly is. Maybe it's your biological father's actions. Maybe it's your biological father. And there's deep, deep hurts and wounds. And how you view your biological father is then portrayed in how you experience and view your heavenly father. Or maybe you just flat up been exposed to bad theology, bad teaching. You haven't gotten the Bible truly. And so... This is why it is vital for the follower of Jesus. As we go through this life, it is so vital for us to be saturated in the truth of who God is. That our view of God is true. So that we are consistently drawn close to the heart of the Father. And we can experience that deep communion with him. So, as we come into now Psalms 103, this is what it's all about. It's about David declaring, and we get a picture, a window into the heart and character of God, okay? I want, maybe you've, maybe you've, you've grown up in church your whole life, or you've been attending for a long time, and it's kind of like, yeah, I've heard that before, I've heard that before. My prayer today, as I was studying this for the last couple of weeks too, my heart was awakened again to who God is. And that is my heart for you today, wherever you're at in your walk with Jesus, that your heart would burn again, would be drawn close again to the Father as we see who he is afresh. Amen? So lean and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the Father to you in just a deeper, more clearer way today. So in Psalms 103, um, the first two just begins with praise. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. And as we look through all of Psalms 103, I think there's one main truth. As I was looking at some commentaries and some studies of some people who have you know, written some things about this passage, <clears throat> very intelligent and smart people, um, one of the main themes, the main truths that we can extrapolate today from Psalms 103 is this. God is merciful. Life Church, I said, God is merciful. God is full of mercy. God not only performs and just does merciful acts, the actions of mercy that God has shown throughout all creation, you know what these actions do? They reveal his heart. I want you to get this today. The heart of the Father, the heart of God. What is beating inside of his chest is a heart of mercy. He is full of mercy. He is eternally mercy. He changes not. God is merciful. And it never changes. And our worship has to be anchored to this truth. God is great and powerful, but he is also kind and gentle. He is mighty, yet he is tender. He is just and true, but he is so full of mercy. Psalms 103, now verse 8, says this. It's so beautiful. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. 
slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Isn't this beautiful? This is who our God is. Mercy is not just something God tries to like. Hopefully we get a good day with God and hopefully he shows some mercy. It's not just some random act that God does. And he has these bad days where he's just angry. He's not like that. He's not like bipolar. He's consistent. He's true. The mercy of God is eternal. He will never change. I want us to look at some more passages in the scripture that declare the mercy of God. Psalms 111 verse 4 says this. Since we're in Psalms, we're going to focus mostly in Psalms. But it says, he causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. Psalms 119.64, the New King James Version says, The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Psalms 119.156 says, Lord, how great is your mercy. Psalms 145, verse 8 says this, The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. It's almost exactly the same as Psalm 103, verse 8. And then in Ephesians, we're going to come back to this. Excuse me. We're going to come back to this, but I want to, want to look at Ephesians 2, 4. It says, but God is so. If you have a Bible, I want to underline something. I love that. God is so rich in what? Mercy. And he loved us so much. So what is mercy? A definition of mercy is this. Compassion and forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Another way to, another definition for mercy is this, is it's not getting what you deserve. It is not getting what I deserve. Son or daughter, you deserve that. But instead, you're not going to get what you deserve. This is mercy. Quick example, I think it's kind of funny, and I experience this regularly, is playing in church league softball. The mercy rule, they call it. You show up, you give your best, you play this really good team, and they're just beating you to pieces. They're batting perfectly, and your team is making all the errors, and eventually it gets to a certain point, and the ump says, that's game. Mercy. We see where this is going. We're going to intervene. We're done. <laughs> Let's move on. we got better things to do. This score would literally be 100 to 10 or 0, whatever it would be if we let this thing just keep going. And, of course, that's a silly example, but and God's mercy towards us is so much more profound than that. His mercy is intentional and it is purposeful. It is not accidental or careless. And here's the thing, God's display, his great display of mercy towards us says something about ourselves. What does it say about ourselves? We are hopeless church without the mercy of God. God's radical display of mercy says that without this, we don't have a chance. Without the mercy of God, the breath in your lungs is the mercy of God. We deserve mercy the punishment. We deserve the anger. I don't know if you think, I don't know how good you think you are today, and for me too, like, 
I kind of had this revelation of if it wasn't for his mercy, we don't have a chance. Like this is the starting point. God is merciful. And I want my praise and my worship to be anchored to his mercy. We're going to go back to Ephesians now, okay? Ephesians 2, 3. It says this. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, the fact that you were born. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Church, we are in an equal playing field today. But God, but God is what so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. There's any time to say amen, that would be the time. Thank you, Jesus. But God is so rich in mercy. I want to quickly read through Psalms to just see more of who he is, and then we're going to wrap this up. But I really want to give some space today for you to respond, to identify where you're at in your deep communion with the Father, and really see him properly today so that we can experience consistently as we leave this place even, deep communion with him. But I want to quickly read Psalms 103. Let's go to verse 7 again, and let's just look at some of the beautiful things. I know Mason read through this, but let's just look again. Verse 7, he revealed his character, his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He is slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we what deserve. He is unfailing for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Can we measure this greatness? No, we, we can't. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Can we comprehend that? No, we can't. It is so great. The Lord is like a father. And now we have the right view of the father. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him or to those who are in awe of him. For... Praise the Lord, he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone, as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever. And with those who fear him, his salvation extends to the children's children. Of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. So three responses as we begin to close today. Land the plane. Here we go. Three responses to the Father today. Three responses to the mercy of God today. Number one is maybe today you are closed off to your Heavenly Father because your view of Him has been damaged. As you've gone through life, 
your view of God has been tainted, tarnished, damaged, maybe broken. I want you to think about this today. How's the view of your Father, your Heavenly Father? Today, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, I believe, is bringing a renewed and true perspective of God. His posture towards you today is full of mercy, and the brokenness you and I carry today needs to be healed by deep communion with your Father. I want to say today that you can trust the Lord's mercy. Can we look at Lamentations real quick? This is so beautiful. It says this. Maybe you're closed off today because of what you've gone through. I think in Lamentations, they would completely identify. They said, the thought of my suffering and my homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time. As I grieve over my loss. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. Remember what? And I want to encourage you, remember this. The faithful love of the Lord, his performance, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning, this morning. His mercies are new towards you and towards me. So I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. You can trust the Lord's mercy today. I pray that your view of the Lord would be restored today. <clears throat> the second response today to the Lord and to his mercy may be this, that maybe you're just completely running away from the Father. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're listening later this week. Maybe you're running away from the Father today, trying to get away with things and trying to obtain pleasure, success, and fulfillment from the world in all the wrong places. You're going and you're, you're just experiencing the pain and the hurt of the hopelessness that this world has to offer, and you're running away from the Father. And I want to say this today. There is purpose for God's mercy with you today. And with me today, there is purpose for his mercy. Here's his purpose. Romans 2, 4 says this. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? How patient God is with me? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to what? Turn you from your sin. God's kindness towards you today his kindness leads to repentance. It's intended to turn us from our life of sin. Maybe you feel like you've been getting away with things. Maybe it's the Lord's mercy giving you time. Maybe he's being patient with you. But it's the beckoning heart of the Father saying, Son and daughter, turn around. Turn around. For the way that you are going will only cause you pain. The way that you are going will only lead you to death. Son, daughter, come back to the heart of the Father. Turn around. Second Peter 3, 9 says this, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He is being patient for me. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent, to turn around. In Psalms 86, 5, it says, O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, 
so full of unfailing love for those who ask for your help. Worship team, you can come on up. So, if you're running from the Father today, today can be your turnaround day. Today can be the day that your heart turns back to the Father. You don't have to keep going. You will be met with mercy. And then the last response today is this, is maybe you've just forgotten today. Maybe you've forgotten today about the Lord's kindness, the Lord's mercy in your life, and you're being reminded. Maybe your heart has grown kind of cold. I think one of the things, and this is, I land here frequently, is that I forget the mercy of God, and I start looking. Maybe you haven't gotten everything that you desire in this life. Maybe you thought you would be further in the career. Maybe you thought you would have the marriage by now, or the children by now, or the, the blessings by now, or all of these things, and we look at all that we're not, we don't have right now, but today I want to remind you and stir your heart of worship, don't base it on those things. Base it on what God has done for you and who God is, and he is a God of mercy, and without his mercy, I don't have a chance. I have no chance <clears throat> to come to the Father. So today, maybe you need to be reminded that we have not gotten what we deserve. For we deserve the anger and punishment and wrath of God, which is poured out on Jesus in his mercy. And last, everybody can stand as we go into a time of worship. Uh, the last passage of scripture um, is found in Hebrews 4. And I want to encourage you as we enter into this time of worship this morning. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 says this. How then do we approach God's presence today? How do we approach his grace today. It says, we have a high priest who can feel it when we are weak and hurting. We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way as we are. But he did not sin. So then let us boldly approach God's throne of grace. Then we will receive what? Mercy we will find grace to help us when we need it. Today as we worship, don't look at your performance. Let's fix our performance on who God is. Let's sing about who God is today. And from scripture we can clear, and there's so many more passages, do a study on just the mercy of God and get wrecked all over again. He's amazing, and we can come boldly to the throne of God today. We can come boldly into his presence today because of the blood of Jesus, because of what he has done. And tomorrow, you can come boldly into his presence. You can experience deep communion with the Father every day because of what he has done. He has made a way. Turn back. Let's pray. Jesus, right now, we give our, our sin to you, Father. We acknowledge your sacrifice for us on the cross. We say thank you for your mercy, God. I pray for our hearts, Father, to be renewed to the truth of your mercy. For us to see you, God, for who you truly are. God is merciful. And as we sing today, God, I pray that our hearts would connect to this truth. 
And that this church be a place of worship, a place where people can experience mercy and experience your mercy, God. In your name we pray, amen.